welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Ryan. Honored to host the podcast today with Pastor Christian. We're uh, both on staff here, both helped start the church uh, about 11 years ago, Pastor Christian. Uh, this Sunday's message was titled The Long View, mm-hmm. and uh, our Bible text, we're, in, we're still in Matthew 13. Uh, my first question will kind of allude to what we're doing in, in Matthew, but I want to welcome you if you're new to the podcast. We're glad you found us. Hopefully, it's always wise to kind of uh, watch the message first so that as we ask questions, you'll be able to follow on, along. Hopefully, some things triggered in your heart that will activate your faith. If you can rate us, that always helps us to uh, get the word out. So blessed to see so many people watching and listening. We're glad you're on the podcast. So, Pastor Christian, the Gospel of Matthew is a tremendous account of the life of Jesus. So how many messages are you planning on preaching in this? It's going to be a lot. I, so <laughs> I, as I was going back through that, first I heard you say Matthew 13, and thought, so we're not even halfway. No. Because 28 chapters. Yeah. And we really did not uh, cover Matthew 1, 2, 3, and 4 very well because we started in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes mm-hmm. and then decided to just keep going. There will be over 100, I think. I mean, just as we've specked it out, we'll get through Matthew chapter 18 this year, uh, and then we'll kind of head into some holiday time where we'll probably talk a little bit, little bit more about Thanksgiving and Christmas. We've got some grief stuff planned for the end of the year for people who uh, have lost loved ones uh, who need just some real good biblical truth and application to get through the holidays, uh, and then January is always a vision month, and we'll pick back up in Matthew chapter 19 in February, and even as I've been studying recently Matthew chapter 24, which is the Olivet Discourse on Prophecy, I, I mean, you spend as many weeks as you want there, so it'll be well over 100 messages, and honestly, Ryan, that's not a lot. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but 28 chapters, you're talking about less than, f- if you have 100 messages in the series, less than four messages a chapter, when the Apostle Paul tells Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed, literally every word of Scripture has been breathed by God and is useful. Um, sometimes we, we speed through way too fast. Uh, we'll miss a lot. Having, having 100, 115, 120 messages in Matthew, we'll, we'll miss a lot. Uh, but at some point, we've got to move on to some other things that will develop our faith uh, as well. So we'll either jump into the pastoral epistles been looking at Romans long and hard, hmm. trying to figure out if we want to tackle that. Also been looking at Genesis, so much foundational truth in Genesis to building a worldview that helps us understand who God is and what God's doing. So those are the next two that I'm kind of looking at that, uh, who knows, but between Matthew, Genesis, and Romans, uh, that literally could be nearly the next decade of content uh, at Journey. However, if you understand Genesis, you'll have a biblical worldview. If you understand uh, the Gospels, uh, and specifically one of, one of the Gospels, you'll have a great view of Jesus. And I think if you understand Romans, you'll have a tremendous view of theology. So th- those, are, those are good things to spend a lot of time on. Yeah, and when you think about some of the chapters in Matthew have 50, 60, 70 verses. Yes. You're right, four, four sermons yeah, per chapter is not a lot. You're chewing up a lot. Yeah, you're chewing up a lot of text yeah. in those. So from your message, lesson one was the seed of the kingdom starts small, but it grows into something much larger. Yeah. I feel that the heart of that lesson and lesson two came through when I, when I got a text this week uh, from a person in our church who said, I want to continue to grow in my faith. Like, they were really burdened. I want to grow in my faith and the ability to impact others for Jesus. So 
Do you see a comparison between the text I received and these two lessons? Yeah, there's no doubt that that there's um, there's a dual application of everything that we're studying. And uh, Christian Gracia began this as he kicked off the series, uh, and he he and Alex actually had a really good theological discussion on the Activate podcast. If you did not listen to their podcast. Alex kind of asked if it was a, that the B team. That was the B team, yeah. <laughs> but it was a, it was it was good. It was like it was like a few backups had to come in, but they they played in one yeah, varsity they game. Well. They did yeah, they really did, really yeah. well. Yeah. But Alex asked Christian, like, can a Christian be all for the soils? And Christian Gracia answered that so clearly by saying, it, you know, it seems pretty clear that the that the last soil is the only productive, healthy soil that that appears to really have the seed planted in its heart. However, Christians Christians move in and out of. Not these soils theologically, they don't lose their salvation, then gain it, then lose it, then gain it. But there are times when we're hard-hearted. There are times when pain causes us to run away. There are times when pleasure causes us to drift. So there is this dual application of what I'm, what I'm learning in macro theology and, and some micro applications yeah. to our life. Um, so, yeah, are, are the lessons of this parable that the kingdom of God starts small in you? And grows till it has more of your heart and more of your life. There's no doubt that that is an application that can be made. The macro application of the lesson, you know, after after two parables, eight parables in Matthew chapter 13, first two doesn't make it look like Christianity's winning, right? Like the first parable is like 75% of the seed will be dead. Second parable, uh, the seed that makes it will be surrounded by weeds. And it's like, it's not much of a kingdom we got going on here. Like the kingdom appears to all be dead weeds and uh, dead seeds and, and intrusive weeds. And just like, no, 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 it looks like that right now. And I think throughout history, it always looks like the church is in danger of being swallowed whole. But Jesus is like, that is not the case. Because like the mustard seed starts so small and you think it's got no chance of making it. When it's full grown, not only is it, is it the biggest of all uh, uh, plants that can give you food in the Middle East, uh, but birds can come and, and they can nest in it. Birds would only nest in something they felt would give them protection, uh, something that would nurture their young. So yeah, the, the seed of the gospel, we look at some people and it's like, man, their faith seems so small. Yeah, but it will grow. It will grow in them. And sometimes we look at the church's impact and we say, man, it doesn't, it appears like the church is going to get swallowed whole by what's happening in culture in America. No, it's not. It's not, because while it seems small when the church and as the church grows and flourishes, it's, it's always a place that becomes great. It outlasted the Roman Empire. It outlasted the British Empire. It outlasted the African slave trade. The church will outlast the United States of America. It appears that everything will swallow the church whole, but the church will just keep going, and Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Jesus would say, like, um, the leaven eventually, like it takes a while, but 60 pounds of flour, that like, think about how much, think about a bag of flour, think about 60 pounds of flour. Jesus is like just a little bit of leaven eventually has the ability to impact this where it provides life and nourishment to so many people. So I think some of my greatest learning in studying these two parables was learning about the unleavened bread of Passover because it was the bread of affliction and what they were leaving, and the leavened bread of Pentecost, because it was a picture of the fullness that was coming. Uh, Jesus says, like, the seed of the gospel starts very, very small, but it's leavened, 
and it, it is a picture of the fullness that is coming, hopefully more and more and more in this lifetime, but eventually in eternity, like you will experience every spiritual promise Jesus has for you, Scripture says, is yes and amen. They're all going to come to fruition. Uh, so yeah, for the person who says, I want to keep growing, you will. If the seed of the gospel is in you, you will. And I want to have impact, that happens too. Mm-hmm. Just like the tree is enough for birds to find uh, nurture, and just like the bread, when leavened, is enough to provide nourishment, yep, if the seed of the gospel is in you, it will keep growing, and you will have impact. This person began to serve, started growing, started growing in leadership, started really getting serious about practical spiritual disciplines, and he's just taken off. And now he's hungry to want to say, man, I love what's happening in my life. I want to have it happen in other people's lives. Yeah, and probably depending on his timetable, um, probably his trip has been like a trip down the runway, and he's probably just begun to feel his wheels leave the ground. Um, and he didn't even realize it yet, but he said it towards 30,000 feet. Like, his faith journey is just beginning. Yeah. And it might feel like I'm flying now. I want everyone else to fly. It's like you're actually only an inch off the ground. But uh, this is what it feels like to follow Jesus. And it only gets better as you stay faithful. Yeah. So Jesus often uh, used parables, as yeah. you reference in a, a parable prophecy found in Psalm mm-hmm. uh, 78. Yep. You spend some time unpacking the importance and use of parables and how they reveal the heart of the hearers. Will you share with our listeners why this tool Jesus used was so important? So when you look at what David did in Psalm 78, so it appears that David had a man named Asaph who was in charge of his choirs. He was a songwriter in Israel. And if you just study the history, it appears as if David said, hey, go go write a song about why God chose me. And said, you know, write a song about my story. And he started with a song about Israel's story. And how Israel uh, heard, saw, and knew, but didn't believe. And then they heard, they saw, they knew, and then they didn't believe. And it took David coming along to show Israel what hearing and seeing and knowing and believing look like. And it was almost like David, so the psalmist was saying in Psalm 78, David was God's parable to the people of Israel because they just didn't know what it looked like to have a heart for God. So God's like, look at him. This, he is the parable. He is the picture. So David was somebody who had a heart for God. So Jesus would be prophesied. The Messiah would be prophesied to use parables. Why? Because God was still looking for people who had a heart for him. And these parables would reveal who had a heart for God, who was willing to ask follow-up questions, who was willing to see the spiritual truth, and who was only willing to... Uh, see, hear, and know, but never believe. It was the belief element, being willing to believe. We walk by faith and not by sight. Being willing to see in faith what Jesus is saying in parables that allowed you to believe. So we said there's a little bit of history, there's a little bit of practical application, um, and, and there's a little bit of theology. The history is that David was God's parable to the people of Israel to see. This is what it looks like to have a heart for God. Um, the theology is that Jesus then used parables to see who would see, hear, uh, know, and believe versus those who would see, hear, yet because they thought they knew it all, who would never believe. And then we said, like, the practical application is only when you have the parable of Jesus, only when you're able to lay Jesus right beside everything that's happening in life will you understand what's happening in life and why and be able to deal with all those things. So I think just being able to go back to Psalm 78 
and realized David saying, hey, tell my story. And the psalmist said, your story is that God needed to show a picture, a comparison of what people look like who saw, who knew, um, but who didn't believe, and people who saw, who heard, who hear, and who know, and, and who believe. David is the picture. Jesus used pictures. And now Jesus is the picture that helps us understand and see life fully as we walk by faith, not by sight. If we just look at what's happening in life, a lot of times things don't make sense. But if we can lay Jesus right next to it, we can find spiritual meaning, spiritual purpose, spiritual direction, spiritual impact from all of it. Yeah, I loved how you pointed people to Psalm 78 and how, how you unpacked it and, and how we saw David's heart. Yep. And how God wanted to use him because of his heart, and, and that's the same for us. Yep. It's, it's in the heart, and too often, I know I missed it for a long time because it was, it was here, but it was, he didn't have my heart. I still miss it sometimes. There's right. still some areas that I know, I see, um, I've heard, but until I put it into practice, my heart doesn't get to fully experience who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing. Yeah. In your third point, parables of exchange, you make the statement, the kingdom of heaven is not inherited from your family. I thought yeah. this was a really activating point, right? This is this should stir in the hearts of people, hopefully thinking, is that me? So why is it so important that you're not, whether you're a listener, whether you're passing this on, why, why you're not, you shouldn't rely on the faith of your parents or grandparents for your salvation, for your for your hope? Yeah, so I, th- I think it's important to be impacted deeply by the faith of yeah. the people who have come before you. Paul told Timothy, I'm reminded of your mom and your grandma's faith. But then he said, which now lives in you. And what Jesus was trying to teach the people of Israel, and in John chapter 8, which I referenced briefly mm-hmm. on Sunday, uh, Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees because they don't see him spiritually. And he's telling them, you can't have life unless you see me. And they're like, we're related to Ab- like what do you mean we can't have life we're related to Abraham Abraham had faith so we must have faith too and Paul would later say in the book of Romans like it's not all of the relatives of Abraham who have faith but it's those who have decided to follow in faith like Abraham had um, two grandsons Jacob and Esau they were both related to him one of them had faith and one of them didn't so Jesus said, it's not enough to say, Grandpa, love God. No. It's not enough to say, Mom and Dad, love God. You have to choose on your own. Uh, Hebrews 9.27 says that we will all die, and we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Like, we're going to have to give an account for everything that we've done in the body, according to 2 Corinthians 5. So everyone dies, everyone stands in judgment, everyone gives an account for themselves. So, like, you need to understand— Um, And I love what God told Jeremiah, because God told Jeremiah, no longer will they say the parents sinned and the kids were punished. Um, And no longer will they say the parents are righteous, so the kids are rewarded. If the parent is sinful, but the child becomes righteous, the kid will be rewarded for his righteousness. And if the parents are righteous, but the child is sinful, the child will be um, remanded or punished for his sinfulness. Like, every now everyone, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, has to make their own decisions spiritually, which I think is why it's important to be in a church um, where parents don't get to choose whether or not their kids are saved. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of tension in the church when it comes to the to baby dedications, uh, what that means for kids. And I think it's so important for parents and grandparents to make sure they're not a part of a church where you tell your kids you are saved, you are a Christian, because when you were a baby. 
I chose this for you because yeah. that's not the way it works. And there's nothing in the end times judgment that lets someone's mom and dad answer for them spiritually. So I just think it's, it's so key. Jesus is saying, um, and I love how he, de- how he does it through both the, the parable of the hidden treasure in the field and the parable of the pearl. Both you have someone seeking to find something for themselves. They were not born into it. Neither the treasure in the field nor the pearl was inherited or passed down from someone. They were seeking the treasure, and then they found it. So we learn that Jesus draws the hearts of people to him so that they can see and receive and believe who Jesus is. So I just think it's really, really important that as parents, we lead our kids to understand who Jesus is, but then we tell them, ultimately, it's your choice. And I think for all of us adults who have been raised in the faith of our fathers, we have to one day look in the mirror and say, do I have my own faith walk? Or do I just have some, some faith traditions passed down to me from my families? So I found that to be an extremely important part of the message. Um, and, and I love how we looked at kind of historical Judaism and we looked at modern America and we said, like, there, there have been very few civilizations throughout the world that have had what I would call either a practical or a desire to live in a theocracy. God and country. God is country. God runs the country. Israel was supposed to have it, have it but it failed because the people were just unwilling to follow God. Um, England for a while. Um, Spain for a while. Italy for a while. Uh, had this where the church and the state kind of were combined and tried to run things together. Uh, in America, America certainly started with this premise that they were one nation under God. And we really believe, you know, you look at places named Providence, like, like God did this, God is starting this place. And it's, and it's easy, probably easier 50 years ago than it is today to say, I'm an American, which means I'm a Christian. Um, and it's like, no, no, no. Like, your faith is not passed down from your country. Your faith is not passed down from your grandparents. Your faith is not passed down from your parents. Your faith is something that you individually make a decision um, for in your own soul, in your relationship to God. At least that's how you'll have to give an account for it one day in the future. So I thought it was an important part of the message for Jesus speaking to these Jews um, 2,000 years ago and for people in our church who think, like, you know, we hear all the time people say, like, i I was, I've been a Christian my whole life, and it's like, you can be a Christian your whole life yeah. uh, because you were born in your sin. Now, you can become a Christian, but, like, when did you become a Christian? Because no one's a Christian their whole life. Yeah, and so for listeners who maybe were raised in that environment where they were kind of right. told they were Christian, right. but yet they've come to Christ at our church, they right. understand that. I yes. think they need to realize they need to be perhaps praying for mom and dad, perhaps praying sure. for grandpa and grandma, that maybe they need to come to the same spiritual realization if they haven't yet if sure. they if they yeah. haven't yet certainly yeah. we can't judge and they can't either but right. if they're hanging on to well my parents told me I was a christian right have you acknowledged yourself that you're a follower of jesus right you share a kingdom truth which i thought was really great it said we do not add the treasure of jesus yeah. to our fortunes we exchange yeah. all that we have for all that jesus is yeah jesus was very countercultural yep why is this kingdom truth so countercultural to us today? Well, if you look at Philippians chapter 3, which we studied in our message, Paul said, everything I'd gained in my entire life, I had to lose to find Jesus. Because everything I had gained was for my security, my control, me feeling good about myself. 
my identity and all those things I thought that were a gain for me, I had to lose so that I could know Jesus and have a faith that wasn't based on me or what I did, but it was based on Jesus and what he did. So we, we see the farmer and we see the, the pearl hunter who both found something that was of such incredible value that the only way they could get it was to exchange everything they had in life for this one thing. But it was so valuable that they were willing to lose everything they had to gain this one thing. And I think we like to add Jesus to our life. We talked about this on the podcast last week, but that's not an option. It's not an option to have Jesus as an advisor. It's not an option to have Jesus as a life coach. It's not an option to take who you are, what you believe, how you want to live your life, the good things that you do based on society and say, and I also want to add Jesus. No, no, no. Like we, we, we exchange everything and every part of ourself we trade in when we receive Jesus. Um, we don't receive Jesus and put him on our string of pearls that we're already wearing. We don't receive Jesus and put him in our safety deposit box with every other thing that we have of value. We literally give up our entire life. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I don't live anymore. My whole life now, every ambition that I've had, every desire I have, the makeup that I have in my life, the things I wanted to do, the things I was pursuing, everything about me, I trade in so I can have everything that Jesus created me to be and wants me to do. That is a picture of salvation. It's not addition. It's, it's, in, it's an exchange. Yeah. You literally, all of me for all of Jesus, not all of Jesus added to me. One plus one does not equal two yeah. uh, in that scenario. Um, it literally is, I die so Jesus can live in me, not... Um, I give Jesus a piggyback, so he's part of my life, or he gives me a piggyback, so I'm part of his life. It's like, no, I die, and then he stands up in my place, and I live the life he created me for. And I think there's a self-examination you can do to determine, have I done that? Yep. Uh, is he on a, on a keychain of one of the keys right. to my life, or is, he, is right. he everything? And I think you and I in our lives and people we know that we can say, no, we, we, traded, a, we traded everything. Yeah, and I've had conversations with people, um, you know, one of the— one of the things we do about baptism is, you know, usually we're standing for me, you know, on, on the side of the tank where I'll be baptizing somebody with their left hand, my left hand, their right hand. And the only thing that doesn't go in the water is their right hand because, you know, my hand kind of is held out and then we pull them out. And I'll tell people like you, you cannot keep one hand out of the water. When you follow Jesus, you're not saying he gets everything but my money. He gets everything but my family. He gets everything but my sexuality. He gets everything but um, my security. Like, you're not saying Jesus has every part of me except this one thing that I'm holding out. Nope, he gets, he gets all of it. And then you are renewed in the image of his likeness, who he wants you to be and how, you want you to live, how he wants you to live your life. No, that's a great, great visual il- illustration for sure. I'll make sure I dip it all in. Yeah, we in. need to put the hands all put, the way in now. Put yes. it all in, <laughs> yeah. Um, the last question. Our usual. Uh, what would, from the message, would you want someone to share if they wanted to disciple someone, pour into someone, what would you have them share from the message? It could be one, or, one of two things. It would be the usefulness of your spiritual growth. So the seed in you starts small, right? But are there any birds nesting in your faith? Is there anyone feeding from your bread of life? Like, have you allowed Jesus to do enough in you yet where you've begun to serve others? So the seed of faith begins small, but it grows to a point 
where it's useful to other people. So how is your faith useful to other people? I think like that, that would be a question I would ask somebody I was discipling. Tell me this week how your faith was useful to someone else. How did you serve? How did you give? Who'd you pray for? Who'd you talk to? Who were you an example to? How was your faith useful to somebody else? And then I think the second thing would be that question of exchange. What are you holding back on? Um, when, when Jesus came into your life, what, what was the hardest thing for you to give up? What are you still contemplating giving up that you haven't exchanged? I think those are two great discipleship questions as you, as you press into people. Great practical information this week. Um, I hope it has challenged you. We every week want to provide information that will not only, like that person who texts me, will help you grow in your faith, but then will equip you to disciple someone else. And that is obviously a big reason for our church having discipleship tracks is to help not only disciple people, but then for them to be able to disciple others. Uh, We want to thank you for, again, listening to the Activate podcast today. If there's a question that you have or a comment or something we can help you with, you can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. If you're in the Kansas City area, come to one of our services on Sunday morning, 8.30 or 10.30. We would love to see you. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.